Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 488 for the 10th of April, 2016. This week, operating systems and applications come with more annoyances than you can shake a stick at. But I have a stick, and I'll shake it at a few of the annoyances that I've squashed recently. In short circuits, some cautions about my previous favorite backup application, Carbonite, but no clear winner as a successor. Danger from Firefox plugins you expect to help or protect you. Samsung starts the year well with Galaxy 7. And in spare parts, only on the website, turning old electronics that you no longer want into useful materials instead of fodder for landfills. D-Link now offers two power over Ethernet routers designed for surveillance applications. And Nokia is pushing what it terms a passive optical LAN as a better solution than copper wire for local area networks. Some applications do things that are annoying. While preferring not to be annoyed when I encounter something that frustrates me, I look for a way to fix it. Sometimes the fix involves working with a software publisher. Sometimes it simply requires some experimentation. So this week I thought I'd talk about a few of the annoyances that I've banished recently. Somebody at ACD Systems thinks it's a good idea to bug their customers every few days when a new version of the application is available. By way of background, I use ACDC every week to create the large and small versions of the images used on TechBiter Worldwide. Version 6 of the application does everything I need. Once or twice a week, though, Windows 10 tells me that I have an important message from ACD Systems. That's because the company wants me to upgrade to version 9 and pay for a bunch of features that I don't need. This has been a significant point of contention for long-time users of the application. I complained to ACD Systems and received a reply that explained how to remove the reminder using Windows 7, Windows 8, and Windows 10. For Windows 10, I was told to click the Start menu and then choose Settings, click Systems, and then click Notifications and Actions. Scroll down to the Show Notifications from these apps, then turn off the ACD InTouch 2. Well, first of all, in my opinion, these notifications should be turned off by default, or the user should be offered a very easy method within the program to turn them off every time they're presented. In fact, what was recommended by ACD Systems didn't work, so I tried another approach. The task manager listed ACD ID in touch 2, and I set it to be disabled. It's not yet clear whether this has fully resolved the problem, but it seems to be working, because I haven't seen the message in quite a while now. If you use Internet Explorer, and you have been warned why you shouldn't, you might occasionally see warnings about the number of add-ons you have installed. Microsoft will offer to speed up browsing by disabling add-ons, no matter how many times you just close the dialog or click any of the options, it keeps coming back. So although you've been warned not to use Internet Explorer, maybe you must. 
Some websites have been designed so that they work only with IE. I avoid these websites whenever possible because there is no good reason to require that a visitor to a website must use IE or any other particular browser. Still, a few sites that I visit occasionally are apparently managed by somebody who's stuck in the Stone Age. The pop-up notification bar offers Choose Add-ons or Ask Me Later. If you click Choose Add-ons, it'll show you a list of add-ons that might slow the browser and provides a Disable button so you can disable one or all of the add-ons. And if you click Ask Me Later, the advisor will again show the pop-up notification message after a predefined period of time, a very short predefined period of time. Neither of these is acceptable. I know what add-ins I've installed, and assuming I installed them, I want them to be installed. Duh, Microsoft, duh. If you need to use IE, but you want to eliminate the idiotic warnings, here's how. Probably the easiest option is simply to extend the performance threshold. By default, IE will warn you whenever any combination of add-ons will take more than one-fifth of a second to load. That's ridiculous. So the next time you're presented with the challenge, click the Choose Add-ons button, and then change 0.2 seconds to a much larger number, maybe 10 seconds or 30 seconds. Alternatively, you might want to just edit the registry to fix the problem before Internet Explorer warns you again. Start the registry editor by clicking the Windows button and then typing regedit, accept the warning, and then drill down to HKEY Current Users, Software, Microsoft, Internet Explorer, MAO Settings. Double-click the add-on load time threshold, change the base to decimal, and then set the value to 10,000. That would be 10 seconds. And click OK. You'll see a picture on the TechBiter Worldwide website that should make this very clear. And then there's Google. Google wants you to see their ads if you use Gmail. If the ads had any relevance to me, I might be okay with that, but they rarely do. Some of the most annoying ads are the ones that appear at the top of the Promotions tab. Even if you click Mark All as Red, they continue to show as unread. You can dismiss them, of course, but moments later, some others will take their place. Usually, the ads are crap. Pardon the expression. If I used Gmail as my primary email client, it'd be even worse, but I don't. I use the service only to archive messages from my other accounts and to make messages available when I don't have access to my primary email program. But it's still enough of a distraction and an annoyance that I want to get rid of it. The answer is Adblock Plus, or Adblock for Gmail on Firefox, and Adblock on Chrome. On Chrome, Adblock Plus doesn't always hide the ads on the Promotions tab. Once you've installed the plugins, you can enjoy Gmail without the crap, pardon the expression. I mentioned Adblock on Chrome seems not always to be effective. I've added Gmailius. Combined, they seem to be able to control the ads most of the time, I'll have more information about that other plugin next week. But be sure to review the section in this week's program on plugins in short circuits. Maybe the computer seems a little sluggish. Modern operating system like RAM. Lots of RAM. And when you have lots of RAM, you need lots of virtual memory too. By default though, Windows 10 doesn't allocate enough, particularly with systems that have a lot of RAM. The fix is really easy though. Open the control panel, search for performance, 
Then choose Adjust the Appearance and Performance of Windows. Select the Advanced tab, click Change under the Virtual Memory section. Uncheck Automatically Manage Paging File Size for All Drives. Select the drive containing Windows 10. That's probably going to be Drive C. Select Custom Size and change the initial size and maximum size to the values recommended by Windows. You'll see those recommended values right there on the screen. Click Set, then click OK, and finally reboot your computer. It's not going to make a slow computer fast, but it will make the operation a bit smoother. Microsoft really wants me to use their cloud. There's nothing wrong with saving files to Microsoft's OneDrive. I do save files there when I know I'll want to have access to them when I'm not at the desktop computer. Most of the time, though, I am at the desktop computer, and I'd like that to be the default location to save files. Microsoft makes this difficult, and if I ever give up on Microsoft and switch to OpenOffice or LibreOffice, this one feature will be one of the primary reasons. In Word, for example, when you try to save a file, you'll be offered to save the file on OneDrive. You'll also be offered this PC, and when you click that, it simply takes me to the Documents directory on Drive C. In my case, C is a solid-state drive, and I don't want to store documents there. But how do I change it? Actually, it turns out to be pretty easy. On the Save Options, browse to your preferred location and select it for your default local file location. Excel is different, but then it's always been different. There is no Browse option. You have to know where the directory is. That means you have to be able to type it in, or that you've used a file explorer to navigate to the directory, and you've copied the path so you can paste it in. After you've done all that, Office will still default to your online locations, but at least when you click This PC, it'll show you your preferred location. I haven't found a way to select the local computer as the location where I want to store files by default, but at least I've managed to train Microsoft's Office applications to show me something other than my documents when I want to store a file locally. In short circuits, I've been recommending Carbonite for so many years that I can't recall when I started recommending it. For the most part, Carbonite has served me well, and it has allowed me to restore files when something unfortunate has happened. But a few weeks ago, something happened, and Carbonite has not been forthcoming with information about the cause. I might have included this article in the Annoyances article, except for the fact that it goes somewhat beyond annoying and hovers distressingly close to hazardous. The Carbonite application notified me that an update for the software that runs on the computer was available. Because I keep operating systems, utilities, and applications up to date, I allowed the Carbonite application to download the update and install it. Almost immediately, Carbonite began running the system's hard drives continuously. Now, this is something I've seen before with the application, and I assume that it simply needed to back up a few dozen relatively new files. You can imagine my shock when Carbonite's control panel told me that well over 170,000 files needed to be backed up. 
177,155 files to be exact, totaling more than one terabyte. But immediately before I installed the updated software, Carbonite had told me that the backup was up to date. Certainly I had not installed enough programs or written enough articles in just a few days to account for 177,155 files that hadn't previously been backed up, so I opened a support case with Carbonite. Response number one essentially told me that the software was working as expected, no problem existed. Sort of like patting me on the head and saying, ah, nice boy, go sit down, don't bother me. That answer wasn't at all satisfying. So I sent a response that explained my long history with the software and my concern about the sudden appearance of 177,155 new files. Did this mean that they hadn't been backed up previously? Carbonite Support's second response was a variation of the first, except that it asked if I had made any changes to the computer or the backup selection, even though I had already explained that I had not. So I asked again, why 177,155 files would suddenly appear to be new to Carbonite? The response to that was an offer to have a technician connect to my computer and then examine it. It was clear to me that I had changed nothing on the computer, and that more than 175,000 files hadn't suddenly just materialized on the computer. In the week since that email exchange, I have uninstalled Carbonite, and I have canceled automatic renewal. The account still had nine months of paid-for service, but I can no longer trust that the service is backing up my files. The only thing worse than no backup is a backup system that isn't actually working. Currently, I'm testing one of Carbonite's competitors. It is too early to say anything more than that. What I can say is this. If you are considering Carbonite, hold off for just a little bit. If you're using Carbonite, you might want to also back up critical files to an external USB drive or to other media. A few weeks from now, I'll let you know how the new system is working and what I think of it. Ars Technica published a report late this week describing how popular Firefox extensions such as NoScript and Firebug could be exposing your computer to infection with malicious code that would allow thieves to steal sensitive data. According to Ars Technica, the attack is made possible by a lack of isolation in Firefox among various add-ons. It's being called an extension reuse vulnerability because an attacker-developed add-on can conceal malicious behavior by using other add-ons. Instead of directly causing a computer to visit a booby-trapped website or download malicious files, the add-on exploits vulnerabilities in popular third-party add-ons that allow the same nefarious actions to be carried out. Nine of the ten most popular Firefox add-ons contain exploitable vulnerabilities, the report says. By piggybacking off the capabilities of trusted third-party add-ons, the malicious add-on faces much better odds of not being detected. Ars Technica says that only one of the ten most popular add-ons vetted by Mozilla and made available on the Mozilla website contains no exploitable flaws. That one add-in is Adblock Plus. 
NoScript, Video Download Helper, Firebug, and Grease Monkey all contained bugs that made it possible for the malicious add-on to execute malicious code. Many of those apps, and many others analyzed in the study, made it possible to steal browser cookies, control or access the computer's file system, or open web pages to sites of an attacker's choosing. Read the full report for more information. It's a very disturbing report. It includes an explanation of how the exploit works. You'll find the article on the Ars Technica website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Analysts have predicted a difficult year for Samsung, but a popular new phone is increasing profits, at least for now. Samsung's operating profit for the first three months of 2016 are up 10% over last year. The new Galaxy 7 has been selling very well, but Samsung still faces stiff competition from Apple and from Chinese smartphone manufacturers who can undercut the Korean company on price. Samsung's preliminary figures show operating profit for the first quarter of the year to be about $5.7 billion. The final earnings statement will be released later this month. Smartphones aren't selling as well as they did a few years ago, and all manufacturers expect lower demand. Samsung's business divisions, smartphones, microchips, and memory, all have been somewhat weak. Additionally, one of the company's larger microchip buyers, Apple, stopped buying from Samsung. But don't stop visiting spare parts, only on the website. This week, turning old electronics that you no longer want into useful materials instead of fodder for landfills. D-Link now offers two power over Ethernet routers that are designed for surveillance applications, and Nokia is pushing what it terms a passive optical LAN as a better solution than copper wire for local area networks. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.